When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Nix makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with a big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary on the final play of the half. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. I sound like um, I sound like the guy from uh, Necessary Roughness. Uh, you play the game like Engineer. I played the game. He's been in a million things. He was he was Frank in uh, in Scarface. He was the um, right. He's the pig that uh, you know, he he gives um, Al Pacino the advice. Pigs get slaughtered, and then he's the one who kills him, and it's, he steals Michelle Pfeiffer from him. And then he was also the father. I was just watching this movie the other day. Uh, he's the father in Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. I forget the names. Of the guy's actor. The name of the actor. I got to get it. But he's in. Um, he's like one of these. He's the assistant coach, and then takes over at the end of the year for Engineer. And he screams. He's like, "You play the game like Engineer played here." Robert Loja is that his name? Yeah. Character actor in a million different things. He was in The Sopranos. For one, for one year, he was like an old, he was like an older guy who came back from prison who was unhappy that Tony's running things. He sees Tony as a kid, and then they run they uh, to send him back to prison. They trap him and they put like stolen TVs in his his garage and then call the police on him, and he gets sent back to prison. He's been a lot of things. I just saw another good movie trailer. When we get to um, Daddy, why you still in the potty? We'll get there. But we're talking baseball. We've talked, uh, obviously, we got to get into the Giants and Jets. The Knicks season does open tonight. And a couple of Knicks stories out there in the news as they get ready to take on the uh, Boston Celtics uh, to start their season yet again. Seems like a familiar song. Giants and Cowboys, Knicks and Celtics. Um, and they do have a bit of a tough uh, stretch here. They better get off to a, a decent start. If they could just be 500 through the first 10 you probably take that, but uh, obviously a couple things in the store, uh, in the news. We didn't get into the quickly um, story yesterday. Quickly, obviously, and the and the Knicks could not come to a decision or a conclusion to their uh, contract negotiations. So he is going to be a restricted free agent next year. I don't know. <sighs> like I'm thinking about it. Like Quickly's a, a a great player. You know, was runner up for Sixth Man of the Year is very important to this team on a team that's got depth but also does kind of run a short you know bench it's uh, they've got good players on the bench but it's not a deep bench uh, necessarily they he keeps his uh, Thibodeau keeps the you know to the rotation down to about 9 or so uh we'll see uh what he does this year as they get into the season but quickly obviously very important offense you know the backup point comes in instant offense uh, but ultimately still is a bench player, and if he thinks he can get paid next year as opposed to, like, I, I like the whole time I never thought quickly would want, you know, I mean, listen, you, if you get paid, you get paid. I just, I, I, I thought I was really rather skeptical that they would come to a term, uh, to an agreement, but now the question is, now that they did that, if he plays well, like, is this, is, is there a good chance that quickly doesn't finish the season with the Knicks? Like, that's the question, because... 
Like, they can't afford to lose him for nothing, right? You assume hopefully they can pay him. It would make sense. Cap's going up. They didn't really do much this offseason. Would you want to bring back quickly whatever number someone else offers them and you could match? You know, maybe you could do a sign and trade, but ultimately, like, the worst thing that could happen now that you haven't signed him is to just lose quickly for nothing. So if depending on how the season goes, if they get into a, a scenario where, you know, Quickly's playing well and you, you could see him at his highest potential value, could you see them moving from Quickly? But that's for a later date. They don't come to the agreement. He's obviously an important part of the team, but still a bench player. I was hesitant to really – I wasn't so sure they were going to actually come to the agreement. It didn't take me by a huge surprise because I would imagine Quickly sees big money a year away. He really developed his game. If he can take his shooting to a little bit more of a consistent level, his defense a little bit more of a consistent level, like you could see him go get paid. And I don't know if the Knicks, who obviously don't see him as the starter, were ever going to give him the money that he thinks he might be able to get you. So I wasn't inside the negotiations. I don't know which side was being more reasonable or not, but ultimately he doesn't sign the contract. But is an important team, and we'll see if he ends up on the uh, – the squad the entire year. And then the other story is obviously Embiid. Now, here's my thoughts on Embiid. I don't love Embiid for the Knicks. You know, the reports are they're willing to trade Barrett. They're willing to trade Randall. They're willing to trade this one, that one. They'll trade away the whole team plus three first-round picks if they want Embiid. It sounds like Leon Rose has been dead set on if Embiid is available, that's the guy he's going to target. And while I don't love it, I mean, we know Grady is MVP, phenomenal player, Hasn't been good in the postseason. Seems a little bit soft. Injury prone. Is he the perfect fit for the New York uh, Knicks? Is he the exact guy you want to build around? Is he the is he the guy you make the move for to bring a superstar in here? I don't know. I don't love it. It's not my first choice. But at some point, like we know, the NBA is built on superstars. We know it, and we've been playing this game with the Knicks forever about getting a superstar here, trading for the big superstar from, you know, back when LeBron made his decision. That's how, and he took his talents to Miami and South Beach. That's literally how long the Knicks have been playing this game. Now they're poised to do it, right? They got the, they, they're, they're in a position where they can make a trade for someone, you know, Embiid or better or Embiid or a better fit. Like, like Spider or like, you know, somebody else that might even be better fits. I mean, uh, Luka Doncic would be a, a great fit for this team. But ultimately, knowing that you need a superstar to win and that I do think him and Brunson would be an interesting duo and that's an interesting team. I, I, I don't love it, but at some point, don't you have to take the chance? How many years can you wait for the perfect situation? Like, you don't know if it's ever coming. Like, how long do you wait for just the exact right guy who's just perfect? Like, at some point, don't you have to go out there and take a chance and bring a superstar to this team? So I think Leon Rose overall, although we never see him, never hear from him, have no idea what kind of plan is going on until it, like, starts to happen. Like, we have no idea of his thought process. Ultimately, right now, you're looking at a team that the over-under is 45-and-a-half. I think they're probably around the same thing they were last year. They traded uh, DiVincenzo for for Toppin. I mean, not exactly, but that's the roster switch. A little bit more flexibility, a little bit more shooting. Obviously, a lot more shooting. Like, 
I think the team is pretty much the same where I think they're going to probably win somewhere between 47, 48 games. They'll probably be somewhere, hopefully, around the four or five seed. That's my expectations for the team, and that's great. And he's built them to a position now where you can expect that. It's been so long. When's the last time the Knicks had back-to-back years of, of, of good quality basketball that they could win a playoff series, that they could... You know, be a team that we all like to enjoy to watch, get ready for the season and get started with some enthusiasm, some excitement, some possibility of being a team that you know can't win a championship but still can be a winning team, maybe win a series, have some fun. Anything's possible these days. It seems that way. Heat were just in the finals. So anything's possible. That's where they are. But at some point after all these years of waiting for a chance, waiting for this big-time player to come, you know, Giannis just signed an extension. When... Who becomes available and when? And do you hold all these pieces, all these assets, until the perfect situation arrives? I don't love the fit. I don't. I have my concerns about Embiid, too. And it's, I don't know, I'm not even saying do it. I'm just saying at some point, like, don't you have to take the leap? And if someone's available and maybe wants to be here and you have an opportunity to do it, don't you at some point have to take the chance and see if that's the guy who actually makes it work? So I see everybody poo-pooing it and not liking it, and I get it. I don't like it either. But I certainly, how how many years are we going to get off on the idea that they win 47, 48 games, they're the five seed, four seed, great. Like, yeah, that might get you through this year, might get you through next year. I don't know. It's been such a miserable franchise for the last 20 years. That seems a, a monster step up. And they're always poised for it. Well, they're in position for it. At any moment, they could make that big trade. They never do. They never do. And it's not easy. And so I'm, I just, I, I, I don't love Embiid, but I certainly don't love the idea of just waiting and waiting and waiting for something that never comes. It's like, you know, the, the cliche of being the, the girls asked to the prom by all the guys. Keep saying no, keep saying no. Eventually, you know, it's just not going to be there. You keep waiting for the perfect situation. You might not find it. But we know what this Nick team is right now. With Brunson and Randall, RJ needs to improve. I mean, that's the guy you're really looking to, uh, to step up. He was, you know, at times really, really great in the postseason. He needs to up his – if he can – if he could shoot – if he just hits his foul shots at – uh, a better clip. You're looking at changing 19 points a game to 22 points a game. If he can shoot from the perimeter a little better, he's working on his jump shot. If he can hit that corner three, if they can get him more involved, and he can start shooting, be a little bit more consistent. We know his game is getting to the basket. If he can figure out how to be a better perimeter defender, a better perimeter player, shoot the three a little bit, him to make that next step. Same thing with Grimes. Like the it's a it's a good solid basketball team. It's not that much different than what we saw last year. We're gonna see what the I mean they're smaller and you gotta figure who's the backup for necessarily. And you gotta get to the rotation. You're hearing Sims might actually be someone who gets a little bit of play here and could be the backup four when Randall needs a blow. But there are flaws to this team, but I would think they're in the top half of of the Eastern Conference and could win a playoff series. But they can't win a championship. They're not they're not battling for a championship right now. And as much as I might not like the fit of Embiid, like at what point at what point do you finally just take a chance on on a great player because that's what he is. That's what he is. Whatever you think of him, he is a great player. He is one of those guys who can be 
your your top guy, your one of two top guys to win an NBA uh, championship. He changes who the Knicks are, and it might not be the perfect fit, but I'm sick of waiting for the perfect fit. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. But hey, let's get the season started. I'm looking forward to it. This should be a fun season, right? This should be a fun season. If they can keep scoring the way they scored last year, they can get a little bit better defensively. They need to shoot a little bit better. And then come postseason time, Randall, I mean, that's really what's going to have to happen. If, if this team makes it to the playoffs with the roster pretty much the same as it is now and the same as it was last year, Randall's got to perform in the postseason. He's got to figure out a way to be that playmaking player. He shows at times the passing ability that's really come to the forefront over the last year or so that, that you know, shows at times but is inconsistent. If he can be that player, that all-pro player, come postseason time, they're a threat, but not for a championship. I still like the over, though, at 45-and-a-half. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. I look forward, as, uh, as Bill Belichick said in, in his uh, address to the media, to a very, very long-term commitment on my part, and Bill and I will work in concert, and um, we look forward to trying to put a program in place that... Uh, that can be successful. I think everyone that knows me knows that I've, uh, that's my home, that's where my family is, that's where my, uh, my life has unfolded, and I'm very, very happy to be back and, and part of the organization with the Jets. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. I don't know if I love Embiid for the Knicks, but at least it would be something. I'm tired of waiting, and I'm afraid of passing on something in in hopes of getting better and never getting it. So, I mean, I I don't know if they'd be interested in any of the players necessarily, but if that's possible, if Embiid to the Knicks is something that's possible, I don't think they should just, I mean, it sounds like Leon Rose is all over it, so it doesn't really matter how you feel or how I feel. It sounds like if it's, if it's possible to happen, Leon Rose is going to do it. And I don't know if it's the perfect fit. I don't know if I love it. I don't know if I if I really, in my heart of hearts, believe that that makes them a, a, a championship contender. But at least it's bringing a superstar here that gives them a chance to be. I'm tired of waiting. For who? Hopefully, that you know, Luca wants to come back and and play with Brunson. I I like that fit better, but I just don't know if it's plausible. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. The Nets open up their season against uh, Cleveland as well. I'll be looking forward to seeing Ben Simmons. Let's see if he's. Let's see if he actually plays basketball. That'd be nice. Eight seven seven. Three three seven sixty six sixty six. Chad in Vero Beach. What's up, Chad? You found the most worthy podcast topic ever. Where will Joe M- Joel Embiid be in July twenty twenty five? Yeah, you know. But let's get let's get to the baseball. I know you don't like baseball anymore. It doesn't move the needle. I don't, like, I don't like baseball anymore. I love baseball. I'll always no, no, no. But the fan doesn't love baseball anymore. But eighty four <laughs> seventy eight team is going to the World Series because yes. the owners wanted playoff expansion. It's just <clears throat> not them. Um, hey, look, it's it's not like it's never happened before. Um, the uh, the the world uh, champion 06 
Cardinals that beat the Mets and then beat the Tigers. I think they were like an 85-win team. Um, right, but that was back before playoff expansion. 88-win Mariners aren't in the series. Correct. And you got this team that, I mean, honestly, this Diamondback team is just, it's a paper tiger. They're going to get blown out by the Rangers. And yeah, I mean, really I, just, I thought that about the Philadelphia, didn't you, after the first two games? You know, they, they could have won it, and I understand that your argument, but the, the Phillies won 90 games, right? Right. This is a paper tiger where the owners in, insisted on a playoff expansion, and now this team is 84-win team. All of a sudden, they're in the World Series. I mean, I, I just, to me, it, it grinds my gears. I'll hang up and listen. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, listen, I get it, and thank you for the call, Chad. I get it. I get the idea that it cheapens the regular season. That's what it feels like. It feels like we went through 162. This was a mediocre team, right? They're literally the last team to get in the postseason. So they are one, you know, they're they're like, you know, seven, 14 of, of teams to get in. Half the league practically gets in now. Right, it's uh, six, excuse me, six. So six and six is 12. Same as the uh, NFL used to be. So it's uh, you get 12 teams. They're the 12th of 12 teams. They're going to be playing in the World Series. There are teams in the American League who won more games that are sitting home. That's, that is true. The Seattle Mariners won more games. They won 88 games. They are not playing. Diamondbacks won 84. Marlins won 84. So there were two teams that won less games than Seattle and they're in, and Seattle isn't. But, that I mean, that doesn't bother me as much as the idea that these teams are given an opportunity when they weren't before. Miami was a negative 57 run differential, and Arizona's a negative 15 run differential. Not that that's the only statistic, but that's a good measure of a baseball team. Right? The, the name of the game is scoring runs and preventing runs. So, I mean, if you gave up 57 more runs than you scored, typically not a... a um, uh, 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 an ideal of a playoff team and not something that would, you know, be something a playoff team would do. Not a hallmark. That was the word I was looking for. Not a hallmark of a playoff team. But here we are. And more than that, the format of the teams getting in, allowing that wild card win. I, I do think if you can win the wild card series, like here's the thing you don't want to be the wild card because it's an extra series to win. You could lose the wild card series. But it's only been two years. It's a little premature to make you know blanket statements on. It. You need more information. But right now, two years in, if you can win that wild card team uh, series, have a couple of wins under your belt, feeling good about yourself without the days off, having played baseball, going to take a team on that's had a better regular season than you, but now is sitting four or five days without having played a game, which typically, I mean, obviously never happens during the regular season. Those teams off of already winning a season a series feeling good about themselves, especially teams that have scored a lot of runs, if you can get the bats going, like if your bats can get hot in that wild card series and you can take hot bats into a series against a team that's been cold and hasn't played in four or five days, you're seeing the benefits of it. You're seeing the benefits of it, despite the idea that you can't set up your rotation the way you want, despite the idea you don't have home, home field advantage, despite the idea that you had to win a series you could have lost but you won, you're seeing that that wild card team has been buoyed by that series win. And that is something to look at. Like, if you're a division winner, like, hey, okay, great. I got to take on a team that just won a series, swung the bats, feels good about themselves, and I haven't played in five days? 
I do think it's open for debate now. It's only been two years. Again, we might, over the next 10 years, uh, not a single wild card team could make the World Series. Who knows? It could, it could be completely different. It's been two years. But right now, there's no doubt. You're seeing two wild card teams in the World Series. Josh in New Haven. What's up, Josh? What's up? What's going on? What's I up, buddy? Off, I told, I told, uh, Flegelman uh, on the other the side? Who answered the, I told the guy who, uh, answered the phone one thing, but now that you bring it in, I want to, I want to bring up how the playoffs in every sport has become different than the regular season. The regular season teams that who, uh, triumph in the regular season don't necessarily do the same in the postseason. If no doubt. At, no but, doubt. No doubt. We've seen, um, at, yeah, go ahead. Finish. No, I was going to say, like, the Heat, the Heat in basketball. Yep. Then, uh, then you look at this year, and it seems like every year in Major League Baseball, where it's the hot, the hot bats, they continue throughout the playoffs. It's a crapshoot. Right. And um, as much as I am a Yankee fan, and as much as we do uh, like to mock Cashman about saying that and mm-hmm. all this and whatnot, I also believe if we got in the playoffs at the right time and the bats are hot, Anything can happen, and that's how it goes in baseball. And um, it's been going like that for a while. When's the last time the best team in the major leagues regular season won the World Series? It's it's it doesn't um, happen. It's whoever whoever's hot at the right time. Yeah, that's I mean, I, th- I think I think you, I think honestly, I, I unfortunately for you, I do think the answer could be last year. I think you could argue the Astros were the best team in baseball last year. But but, right. but but I do okay. agree. I okay, do. No. I, but I do agree with you. Overall, your sentiment is true. I do think there's a Happy case to be made. The Astros were the best team in baseball last year. But um, you're seeing it time and time again. You, you, you're seeing I it time. To forget about that as a franchise. Yes, yeah, so I. Everywhere else in the playoffs seems to be the hot, the hot team. No doubt. You get, Derek Cheetah's Derek Cheetah's been saying it forever. The best teams get in. The hottest teams make it. I, I totally believe that. And unfortunately, you're seeing that more than ever. And and we're on a run. And um, Jeez, I forget his Ross. The caller Ross earlier in the in the show brought it up. You're seeing a lot of dominant teams in particular. Like the Braves were the dominant team this year. They won one playoff game and and you know got, and lost to the Philadelphia. You saw the Boston Bruins, who had the one of the greatest regular seasons, if not the greatest reg, regular season in hockey history. They got beat in the first round. You're seeing teams that have had unbelievable regular seasons fall flat. Uh, Milwaukee lost in the first round in the NBA playoffs. Like you're seeing teams that had great seasons fall flat in the postseason. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning had a great regular season a couple years ago and got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like there are just a lot of examples of playoffs being completely different, and it cheapens 162, especially in baseball. Like I know 82 games is not something to sneeze at, but they played double practically. I mean. Baseball's 162. You'd like to think that after a gauntlet of 162 games where, without question, the, the cream rises to the top, that, you know, it would it, it it would mean more, that the 162 the 162 would mean more than just suddenly being thrusted into a you, – you, you show up and you're playing a five-game series against a team that's already won two games swinging the bats, and now you're on your heels because you've been missing – you haven't played in five days. Like, I think they probably do need to start to retweak this. Absolutely, I agree. And um, as someone who is more of an old school baseball fan, you hate to see that because it does buy into the whole fact that getting to the playoffs is the main thing, and then it's a crap. yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. Do you want to go back to the old days where it's literally just either 
old old days where the best team in the American League gets to the World Series against the best team in the National League, the most wins, or do you want to see just a, a CS? Like, do you want to start eliminating play, playoff teams? Do you want to start? I mean, I like I don't know. I don't know what the fine. I th- I liked the wild card one game. I thought it was exciting. Uh, I I liked the way that was, and I think we're learning here that. They wanted to be more like baseball, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to see it more like baseball. Like the players and the owners wanted it. Oh, you always play a three game series. What's this one game stuff? Anything can happen in one game. Let's make the wild card a three game series. Fine, but now it's cheapening the ALDS because it's 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 created a team that could get hot going into an ice cold team. So it's 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 something they need to look at. Absolutely, it creates a monster by having a three game series. It creates a monster. One game. One game is one game. When it gets to two games in a row, when you have guys... And, and if you're scoring a ton of runs, you know, typically it helps you. Yeah, Absolutely, it creates a monster. That's what I'm saying. And it kind of cheapens the winning division because you could get rusty instead of staying hot like teams end up doing uh, baseball playoffs and that ends up happening. Uh, thanks for taking my call, and uh, have a great night. Oh, you Bye. got it too, buddy. I thought you wanted to say something about the Knicks. That's, uh, that's why I left you on. If I, did, if I knew you weren't going to make your Nick point, I would have cut you off minutes ago. Alex and Lyndon, what's up, Alex? Hey, what's up, man? I was actually at Game 7 tonight. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so I'm a diehard Yankee fan, but one of my best friends lives in Philly. He won uh, a chance to buy tickets at face value, and I said, yeah, you know, what the heck, right? Um, oh, absolutely. You get to go to Game 7? Sure. Right. So I've been to, like, 15 to 20 Yankee playoff games, but I, and I've seen the Yankees clinch rounds. I've seen the Yankees get eliminated, but never in, like, a Game 7 or a Game 5. So that was... Definitely unique. And sitting there, I'm watching, thinking about the playoff format, so I had to give you a call, C-Mac. And, yeah. Um, I just So let me ask you a question, Arizona though. So you went, you went to the game as a Yankee fan. Your buddy's a Phillies fan or just had yeah, an opportunity yeah, to? Yeah, So what, what yeah. did you wear any kind of, did you just wear a regular shirt? What did you wear? Did you wear any Yankee yeah, gear? Yeah, so I had an, F- an FDNY shirt on and then a hoodie over it. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, I, I have some Yankee tattoos, but I wasn't. Philly's a tough place, man. I was not here. I was not. That's uh, why I asked. If you were playing yeah, in St. Louis, I wouldn't have asked. Right. And then my one question was, I feel no hatred towards the D-backs. That was such a long time ago. So you're just sitting there kind of enjoying baseball. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I, it, that hurt more than anything. That hurt, that even hurt me more than 04 because it was so sudden. 04 was like this slow death. By the time you got to the end of it, you were expecting it, and it didn't hurt as much. 2001 is the most painful moment I've ever had. Uh, watching the Yankees. That game seven is the most painful moment. But you're right. It's so long yeah, ago. You remember. It's so long ago. They were an expansion team. They've been pretty bad ever since for the most part. Right. Like so I don't ha- I don't have a burning hatred for the Diamondbacks necessarily. I do have a burning hell- hatred for like Luis Gonzalez and Mark Grace and and uh you know Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. Right. Uh, no, Kim, the, uh, Kim, the- oddly enough Kim I'm okay with. Kim's, yeah, Kim, one, Kim is pretty cool. All right. Uh, I guess the one question I had, the only thing I don't like about the playoffs now, too many teams are kept alive in July and August that probably should have sold, and yeah. they end up mixing still by a lot, and it kind of takes away from the trade deadline. Yeah, more than ki- uh, the Yankees, if you're a Yankee fan, perfect example is, is right. Bellinger. The Cubs decided they were in on it. They fell short right. and decided not to trade Bellinger, and I think the Yankees were willing to trade for him. But no, like they didn't think there was anybody else worth trading for. So it was either Bellinger yeah. or Bust, and then he was taken off the market. 
And then the D-backs tonight, and then I'll hang up. They just felt like they belonged. They didn't look any different on the field, like you said. Yeah. You win that first round. No, Atlanta, Atlanta looked terrified to play in that building. The D-backs went in there and played them tough. There's no doubt about it. This, they're a gritty bunch. I'll give them Definitely. that. And, you know, it's a, it's a it's a catch-22, double-edged sword type of thing about the your point about the trade deadline. Yeah, for us top you know the top feeder fans of the of the franchises that spend money and and are looking to you know take away and pick apart the bodies of all the the teams that have fallen to the wayside there's also the fans of those teams that would like the idea of maybe being able to sneak in like it's a it's a double edged sword i mean if you're a pittsburgh pirate fan or you're a arizona diamondback fan or you're a cincinnati reds fan or you're a you know whatever Cleveland Guardian fan, Texas, Texas, uh, Texas, Detroit Tigers fan. Like, if you're a team that you know going in isn't going to be that great, you know, probably don't expect the championship, probably don't expect to contend for the division. But hey, you're you're realizing that look, 83, 84 games might be enough to get me in the last wild card. Like, let's not give up on the season. Who could we add? Is it possible that someone else, you know, could we add a starting pitcher and and possibly try and get into this thing? It only it's only going to take 85 games. Like. You want to get all the fans involved. Like, you'd like to the idea. I think that's what baseball's trying to do. Yeah, it hurts the trade deadline, absolutely. I agree. And, yeah, it's it's frustrating when an 84-win Arizona Diamondback team is is making it to the World Series, and it's like, should they even be there in the first place? But at the same time, you're trying to keep other fan bases alive. You're trying to give the Pittsburgh Fire, Pirate fan a reason to be a fan. Like, can you imagine being a Pittsburgh Pirate fan? There's no I know they had a couple of years there where they won ninety games and kept losing the wild card game, but like, can you imagine being a Pirate fan? Can you imagine being a Red fan for all these years? Can you imagine being a, you know, Colorado Rockies fan? A Kansas City Royals fan? I know they did win a World Series. I can't remember when or who they beat, but I know they won it recently, somewhat. More recently than the Yankees have been in the World Series. I know that. Someone keeps telling me. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Our goal for next year, I got news for you, it won't change. And it'll never change. We're going to chase that Super Bowl. We're going we're gonna to chase it until we get it. And then we'll chase it after that again. But that's it. People want to criticize us. Then you go ahead, but you really got no right. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, you know, a little juice to the Giants and Jets for the first time since Rex Ryan, really. And don't worry, I'll I'll make uh, Fliegelman play the... Um, you're here all week, are you not, Fleeks? No, no, no Friday for you. You're in. You're in uh, tomorrow, though, right? Okay, so tomorrow, but no Friday. So tomorrow, we'll make sure we play the Victor Cruz highlight. Don't worry about it. We'll get it in there. Look, I just—it's funny that you know, Giant fans forget that the 2015 game mattered for both teams. Yes, 2019, they were both I, disasters. Yes, you took me. You took the words out of my mouth. I'm like, we don't even remember the the last two times the Giants and Jets played. Really, I remember one play from the last game. Jamal Adams treating Daniel oh, Jones like a rag doll. Right. And that running through him, taking the ball and running it into the end zone. Because yeah, we've run, never running, seen anything like that before and we'll never see anything like that again. Running through Barkley first. I think I I, I do believe you He blew up Barkley on a but we've seen that that happens in yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, he absolutely just ran through that's right, I remember. He ran through Jones, took the ball and went into the end zone. That's right. And I don't remember much about I for some reason I have it in my head. I was going somewhere. I, I don't know what I was doing I'm, I, to even think that I was traveling and not watching the game. 
But for some reason, I have like a vision of me crossing a bridge, listening on the radio as Ryan Fitzpatrick was beating the Giants. I don't know what I had to do that day or something, but I don't remember the game at all. And if I try and think about it, for some reason, I have visions of me traveling. But no one cares. It hasn't been really important since Rex Ryan has been here. That's the last time this game matters. And this one matters. This one absolutely matters to me. I mean, this is a big game. For the Giants, it's literally holding on to your season. Like, I'm sorry. I I understand the season lightens up, and you're playing teams like the Raiders who stink. You're playing teams like the Packers who've really fell, fallen off the last few weeks. You're playing teams like the Rams who are good, solid, but beatable teams, right? Other than the... The uh, the Saints are another team right now that you think that at least, you know, there's no reason you can't go beat the Saints, right? Other than the two games against Philadelphia and the remaining Cowboy game, winnable games, another game against Washington. But if if you're going to lose to the Jets, and not that the, the Jets are a bad team, I think the Jets are a good team. But it's about quarterback play. If you can't beat Zach Wilson after having your two best weeks back-to-back, and this defense doesn't play well enough to you know, either shut down Zach Wilson or this offense can't get anything going against this jet defense. Like if you are now two and and six after eight weeks, two and six after eight games, the season's over. And I and I honestly think you have to start talking about trading Saquon Barkley and trading Adoree Jackson if healthy and trading uh Xavier McKinney and and some other guys. Like I'd be open to trade everybody, but certainly Barkley. And I don't I don't understand anyone. I heard Sal says it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. How does it? Or it's not worth it. Excuse me. It's not worth it. What? What? What do you mean it's not worth it? Like I don't understand anyone who wouldn't want to trade Saquon Barkley if they lose this game. Like I'm sorry, they're not going to the playoffs. And were they going to tag him again next year? He's not going to sign a long term contract. He is not long for the Giants. And I don't see them, if they're 2-6 and six this year and I've punted on the season, I don't see a Super Bowl run coming their way. I, I just I don't see any reason why Saquon Barkley needs to be on the team. And that is not a knock against Saquon. He's a great player, actually has some value. That's why I'm willing to move him. Like, for me, <clears throat> I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to keep him. To keep a running back? Why? At two and six, why? Why not see what you can get for him? Now, again, I'm not going to take anything. If some, I'm not going to. Uh, I'd be pretty pissed off if I saw the news. Breaking news: Saquon Barkley traded to whomever for a seventh round pick. I'd be like, yeah, there, there's no reason to trade him for a seventh round pick. But I, I definitely think you can get a third round pick, and I, th- I'm, I'm, there's a chance you might be able to do better than that. Especially for a team who thinks they, they, that Saquon Barkley puts them in the Super Bowl conversation. I don't see why not. He's that kind of dynamic running back. We know what he is. And I would have been fine with signing him to a long-term contract at the beginning of this offseason. They didn't. They didn't. They couldn't. They offered him a contract in the middle of last year. They offered him a contract in the offseason. They couldn't come to terms. That's fine. Saquon Barkley's allowed to go out and get what he's worth. But at this point, it's going to be with another team. So why am I holding on to him? If they lose, so I mean, for me, this determines because the trade deadline's Halloween, so it's right after this game. Like, if they beat the Jets, now you're three and five with all those teams I just mentioned coming, and obviously putting together their three best performances of the year. 
And now I feel differently about this Giants team, and I'm willing to chase it with Saquon Barkley, and I'm willing to hold on to hope that somehow I can miraculously get back into the playoff picture, considering how down the rest of the NFC is. I'm open to that. That's how important this game is. And for the Jets, it's the matter of just being, like, I don't know who the Jets are. They can't win this game. I still think the Jets are the better football team. I think the Jets have the better overall roster. I think the Jets' defense is far superior, far superior. I know the Giants' defense has played well the last two weeks. The Jets' defense is much, much better. Much, much better. I think there's. I think Brees Hall is probably better at this point than Saquon Barkley. I, that's how much I think of Brees Hall. And obviously, they don't. The Giants have, don't have a, a wide receiver anywhere near Garrett Wilson. But the quarterback position will always be the problem for the Jets for me. I, I will never trust Zach Wilson until he proves me different, proves me wrong, and he has come nowhere near making me get off that point that I don't trust him. But ultimately, they're a better football team, and if they can't figure out a way to beat the Giants, if they either the defense has a bad day and allows Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor to put up twenty eight points. Or, again, this offense does absolutely nothing and loses 10-7. Like, who are you? Are you a playoff team? All right, three and four, your season's not dead. Fine. It's not in the same position the Giants are in. Giants are hanging on for dear life. Jets have found a way to be three and three. Three and four probably doesn't kill them. But why should I have any confidence in you or have any belief in you as a team And why should I have any expectations about you going and winning games against good football teams on a consistent basis if you can't follow up that excellent win against Philadelphia where you shocked the world and beat the defending NFC champions who went on the next week to beat up the Miami Dolphins who looked like the best offense for sure and one of the best teams in the NFL. I know they had some injuries, but whatever. Philadelphia dominated that football game and showed everyone who they are again, and you took care of them, and you could not, a week after getting a week off from that, come back and beat the lousy Giants to cement what that victory means and to put a stamp on what kind of team you are. Because right now you'd like to solidify the idea that you're the football team that beat the Buffalo Bills and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. That's who you want to be if you're the New York Jets. That's who you want to be. You want to be the New York Jets who beat Buffalo and who beat Philadelphia. If you can't follow up that Philadelphia win and make that stick against a lousy Giant team who is the worst offense in football, who has yet to score 100 points, the only team in the NFL, seven weeks in, who has two touchdowns in the first half, of the entire season. Two touchdowns in all of the first halves they played. Both of them coming in the second quarter last week. Who have now scored 17 points in three games in their building. If you can't beat that team. If you aren't the team that plays well consistently. Then what do you hope to be? And if again it's proven to be the quarterback. Then what are your... then? What are your limitations? Because right now you're, 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 he's, he's been a little bit under the radar. You've won a couple of football games. He's played well enough not to cost you games. You had a bye this week. Not a lot of people talk. I tried to bring him up yesterday because I haven't heard much about Zach Wilson. 
But if he's the reason you can't beat the, if he's if if you're with your defense, if Zach Wilson allows you to be outscored by the lousy Giants offense, and he does nothing in this game, and it's clear as day he's your limitation, then what are you? Because you could forget trading for a quarterback. The pipe dream of of Cousins is gone. They've won three out of their last four games. They're right back in the mix in the NFC. Plus, he never wanted to come here. So we had that conversation. It was nice. It was fun. I was hoping for it. It's gone. I don't know what other options are out there other than the miracle heel, pun, in, uh, pun intended, of Aaron Rodgers. So... Yeah, season's not on the line. Ultimately, who's who's this game more important for? The Giants' season's over, they lose it. The game's more important for the Giants. But if you're a Jets fan, if you're the New York Jets, who are you? Because if you can't beat the Giants, I don't consider you a winner. And I don't consider you a good football team. You're just another bad football team, 3-4, and four, who's had a couple of nice wins. 877-337-6666. So let's take your Giants and Jet calls as we get ready for Jets-Giants week. Game on Sunday. And I do think the fan bases, we're starting to see. I I saw Evan and uh, Tiki this morning or this afternoon uh, talking about how it's the the biggest rivalry in in the the city. I don't know about that. But I am surprised with how many callers we get, how many people I talk to. This game is actually going to mean something. This game does actually mean there is going to be bragging rights with this game. There is going to be a fan base really ticked off at the end of it. And like I was just talking with Mike, I don't remember feeling that way in a long time. Uh, they lost, the, the Giants have lost the last two times they played the Jets. I never walked away going, oh, boy, now I got to go deal with Fred and accounting or, or you know, I got to go see, you know, Mr. Belvedere at my son's soccer practice. Like, I never felt that way. I think you might feel that way this time. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you on the fan. We're good to the top. You don't need a break. Am I losing it? No? Okay. No break. Okay. I did want to, uh, in a minute here with uh, Marco walking in the door, what I did want to say was something's gone on. What is going on in San Diego with Melvin? This is weird. So he's widely considered one of the best managers in baseball, right? Without question. Widely considered one of the best managers in baseball. He's managed a bunch of different places. He's with Oakland. He's had success there. They've been to a couple wild card games, which is pretty much success for them. Then they go through this. You know they're going to be terrible for a few years, which they do every decade or so, where they just don't try and win for three or four years. And they allow him to go talk to San Diego, and he's going to go manage the Padres. Great. Makes sense. Padres are good. Padres would just, you know, Padres have a, a, a loaded team. He has this season where they fall on their face this year after making it uh, to the NLCS last year. And now the the Padres have allowed permission for the San Francisco Giants to talk to him, and it sounds like he's going to be the Giants manager. I don't think it's official, but it's pretty much official. Why the hell is he leaving San Diego for San Francisco? This is like Billy Martin without winning. Like, it's very puzzling. Like, I don't understand. This is a team that has Manny Machado, Juan Soto, uh, Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis. It's going to have Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner. It's got one of the best closers in baseball. What's going on? One, why can't they win? And two, 
Why the hell would the manager want to go coach the San Francisco Giants? I don't know. I don't get it. So it makes me wonder, what's the thought process in San Diego right now? Because we've all been kind of just the route answer and the ho-hum answer of why would they trade Juan Soto. I don't really know if he's available. I don't think they'll trade Juan Soto. Well, now, not that the manager makes a world of difference, but something's gone on there. And if they if they were willing to ask permission from Oakland to get the manager here, they thought they wanted. But Melvin, who's done a great job, who's been a good manager, is considered one of the better managers in baseball. He's been here for two years. One was successful somewhat. I mean, not World Series successful, but somewhat successful. The next one, they fell on their face. And now already, not only do, does he want out, but yeah, sure. The team is fine with it. And it sounds like there's going to be no compensation for it. Like, what is going on in San Diego? I'm hoping Juan Soto's available. And if Juan Soto is available, you move heaven and earth to bring him here. You hear me, Brian Cashman? I've done a lot for you. All right? I've bought your pajamas. I take on everybody who, who dares question you. I'm considered a shill all over the place. I can't even mention anything else without getting fired. Brian Cashman tweets. I said a, a tweet about anything else. I get fired, Brian Cashman. I'm in this with you. Now let's go. If Juan Soto's available, you do it. Yeah, I know I said you want, I wanted you fired, but do I really mean that? Come on, I'm just saying it to, to back the dogs off. You know I love you. But if Juan Soto's available, me and you are not cool if you do not bring him to the Bronx. I'm just telling you right now, it's a warning to Brian Cashman. You are going to lose your number one fan.